0: Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten Podcast. And joining me today is Anders from the Toxic Happy Hour. If you've not checked out the Toxic Happy Hour on YouTube, you are missing out. This is brilliant, brilliant Bitcoin content as you will come to hear. Now, before we get into this show, and I know what you're thinking. Oh my God, Prince is going to start shilling the companies that support his show. Come on guys, show a little bit of respect. A lot of time goes into this and these companies approached me. It wasn't the other way around and I'm very, very thankful for them to showing up and to helping me grow this to what it's uh, slowly becoming. So, coinfloor were first through the door. Corn floor first through the door. coinfloor.co.uk forward slash Bitten. Go start stacking some sats if you're in the UK. Swan, we're next. SwanBitcoin.com forward slash Bitten. Go start stacking sats in the US. There's no excuse. They fly across 50 states. They have you covered. This is a team of Bitcoiners. You can go and hang out with them whenever you want on Twitter. They will help you. Please, guys, step up. Start stacking. Relay. R-E-L-E a.i.ch Swiss company forward slash Bitten they will help you DCA out of your Swiss and out of your Euros into Bitcoin this is fiat cost averaging across Europe they are brilliant really love what they're doing and of course I'm a user of their services and coin floors not Swans yet because they're not in Europe but hey keep an eye out now Bitbox O2 yes a hardware wallet bitcoin only if you've been stacking your sats with either of the aforementioned companies that is again Coinfloor or swan or relay you got to take control of that shit, guys you cannot leave it with these companies and they will thank me for saying that this is not a slight they want you to take control get it into a bitcoin only hardware wallet shift crypto dot ch forward slash bitten take control of it become self-sovereign become your own bank look after your own future and your family's future if you've not done the hardware wallet thing yet it's time to step up i thank all of these companies for supporting the show i thank all of you guys for listening and putting up with my voice for the last 120 odd episodes and i thank anders for coming on i hope you enjoy the interview take care i'll speak to you afterwards recording we are recording yeah and um we are with the scarfless danish anders how are you doing mate i'm doing
1: fantastic uh great to see you guys uh great to see lauren great to see you
0: well thanks for doing the show thanks for coming on thanks for having me on the toxic happy hour now now three times um it's been an amazing journey to watch what uh, you and pub lord have put together guy bennett and uh i had him on the show last week so i'll we'll be releasing you too it's nice to get uh you both alone and um you know like uh, find out a little bit more about you both and and your personal stories and your personal journeys, but how you put toxic happy out together has been's been great it's been a great format I'm so happy to have you know joined in the fun in the uh the early days
1: well i mean th- and first of all, thank you so much uh Lauren for having me and Daniel, thanks for holding the mic of course um <laughs> but uh yeah, so it's um I guess it's unfortunate that now in Poppy and I, we can't uh, coordinate our history. So we may uh, come with different versions. and Because I haven't heard, uh, you haven't dropped Poppy's um, uh, podcast yet. So um, you yet. Know, I can't coordinate the stories now. I have to stick no. to <laughs> it.
0: I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that and load you up with a bunch of ammo that, uh, that he wasn't privy to. And uh, So this is level ground. It's level ground, but of course, I, I should shut up because Lauren has uh, a question she would like to ask. And it's customary that she asks the first question.
2: Um, yeah. So my question is, what do you do? Not including stacking sats, because obviously you do that.
1: So I have been working with online marketing in one way or another since 1996. Uh, I read a newspaper article in 1995 and I heard about this internet thing, but then it's the first time I kind of read, you know, what's, all, what's it all about? And, um, and from that one article, I realized this is, uh, this is absolutely the future. It's going to change everything. Uh, so in 96, I started a, uh, a company uh, focused on selling uh Solutions to real estate agencies, so they could get uh, their listings online on their own kind of like sub page, and then like all of them, of course, on on my main uh, uh, website as well. Uh, So I I have been working with online ads for well, pretty much since then. Online advertising. Uh, My speciality has been Google Ads since uh, 2005, approximately search advertising. That's kind of what I've narrowed down to. I, and the point is, I still I still do have some clients there. I'm not looking for any more clients because when I came across Bitcoin, that just totally became my passion. So, sorry, not passion. It became my passion. And um, uh, yeah, so I'm doing a little bit, but now, so my main occupation now, I think, I, I guess you could say, which is not necessarily stacking Sats, but I'm helping other people to stack Sats because on eToro, I'm part of this popular investor program and uh, there your performance is public and uh, people can then choose to copy you, means they add funds to do exactly what you do real time. And all I'm doing is huddling Bitcoin on this. And uh, the nice thing for all of us to realize is that, that after 12 months, just huddling Bitcoin, 100% allocation, not trying to get queued and day trade the, the short term, what by far outperforms any of the um, you know, uh, altcoin uh, uh, portfolios that are trading in and out. Like I'm, I'm way ahead of them on performance. So uh, luckily that means a lot of people, they come and see that my performance is better. They copy me instead, which means we get more people down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, because they uh, you know, they end up having 100% allocation to Bitcoin, they understand my arguments, and and then I lead them to content, Bitcoin content, uh, so they can educate themselves. I'm oh, sorry, that was a very long answer, I know, uh, Lauren.
0: You get used to this with Anders.
2: I, um, I'm, yeah, but like-
0: Do you have any idea what
1: he does? I should explain it better. <laughs> Let me explain it. I'll try and, exp- you know, Lauren, I'm sorry. Uh, my like, apologies. He,
2: he made this company. Mm-hmm. That's what I understood. Yeah. Um, and, like...
0: What was the company doing? What, ask is He would have another step at it.
2: uh yeah what is your company
1: okay so today i do google ads for some uh clients which means i put their advertising on mainly you know the first page of google so when people are searching for what they're selling you know my clients become visible um so that that's that's what i've been doing for many 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 years um almost as long as, as internet has been popular pretty much. Um, and, uh, but what my main occupation now, what I make most of my living from is by being uh, the number one uh, popular investor in, in us on eToros platform, where people put money to my management, a total of 3,400 people. And, and, And it doesn't cost them anything, but when I do this and and make money for them, eToro pays me uh, an incentive for doing this. So I basically, you could say, I help people make money by buying Bitcoin um, and eToro uh, pays me for that. And that's my main income now.
2: Okay.
0: There you go. Do you have any more questions or are you gonna go have some dinner? I don't think I have any more questions.
1: Okay. Oh, you're sure, Lauren? I'm sorry. I can see my answers are really boring. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Can, let me ask you a question in the in the meantime, Lauren, if you allow me. Like, what, what what's your favorite sports?
2: Oh, horse riding.
1: Oh, nice.
2: Uh. Yeah, I started horse riding like two years ago, but then we moved and, I, and uh, then I started up again uh, like a year ago now. And I do hip-hop. Dancing? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I have two nieces doing uh, hip-hop dancing uh, in Denmark. And one of them, I think, became like Danish champion with her crew. But yeah, it looks super, super cool. Uh, awesome. Uh, I'm sure that's a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, it is. Especially our is very funny, so it makes it even more fun.
0: That's a good teacher then. Yeah. Oh. All right, okay. We're going to do the pod now. Okay. You want to say goodnight?
2: But before we go, i got an idea for uh, the pod. Okay. Okay, so one special guest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I take over the podcast for one day, mm-hmm. and one special guest get to speak to me. The
0: whole entire day. Oh, so you think that'll be a good episode? Yeah. yeah. So, what well, special guest asks you questions, or you ask, or you? you they ask me questions. Okay, I'm sure there'll be many takers. I'm, I'm, I,
1: I would love to do a podcast just with Lauren, but here, here I am uh, stuck with you, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, I just need to know. Like, is everything being recorded, not edited? Like, everything we say now is going to go yeah, to the
0: podcast. Absolutely. Right? All, right. All right, this goes it. down. No problem. <laughs> no, no, no edits, no cuts. Just like the Toxic Happy Hour. That's right. That's that's the raw. That's the raw deal. That's what people are here for. That's what they tune in for. For you know, hundred percent. They tune in to watch Poppy fall asleep live <laughs> on. Uh... wait, did that happen?
2: how Um,
1: how someone put something in his water i think um and i think maybe he was jet lagged or something um let's put it that
0: way Mm -hmm. i'll show you it's all over it went viral don't worry and you'll have to listen to to puppy's episode because he talks about it. Okay. Anyway, right. Say good night to <laughs> yeah, Anders.
2: I'm gonna go. Thank you. Bye. Thanks,
1: Lauren. Thanks for the questions. Good to see you. Enjoy dinner. Bye. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Bye. See you soon.
1: Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, and and Daniel, I just want to say, uh, you know, thank you very much for having me on your actually professional podcast here on, like, you know, Toxic happy Hour. And uh, you were instrumental in helping. Uh, Puppy and I getting started um, because you came with, I mean, uh, you have a big following, you have a, um, uh, you know, experience with doing this, and and you were happy to uh, join us, and uh, we've had a lot of fun the three times you've been on, and it's just a matter of time before we do it again, Um, so you have the record for the longest Toxic Happy Hour, three hours, 22 minutes.
0: (laughs) That was a great one. I remember it. I think we said goodbye about five times and then found another (laughs) rabbit hole to go down. But no, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. And really, I love it when Twitter lurkers, because you you guys, I've been following you both for a while, I'm sure. And then, uh, you know, when, you know, I must say on the podcast a hundred times, like, you know, if you've got something to say, step up and say it doesn't matter if it's writing or singing or dancing or starting a podcast or whatever it is you know we we need it and it's not like there's enough of us doing it so when when you guys started your show it was just it was like music to my ears yes like here's here's some guys that that listen to the show and are taking the nudge and i'd love to come on and now you've had so many great guests on i was watching your one with uh with greg Foss. yeah Yesterday, yeah, dude,
1: that was fire. He was—he's so cool. Um, once again, this is Poppy is really good at. Um, he highlights people to me before I necessarily really have gone deep in their content, and and he told me um he's been following Greg Foss for a, a long time and said, "This is Anders. Trust me, this is going to be great." And. And then I started listening to some of his content and realized this is absolutely uh, amazing with his background in, in you know, I think two or three decades of uh, bond market trading, which is really, really important for all other assets, um, both in terms of like uh, risk. Uh, and it, 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 it it's basically the best place to find a signal anyway. So uh, point is, he was on yesterday and uh, he pretty much had a more than two hour rant where Pubby and I could... know it's the first time i could lean back and just enjoy the show honestly it was awesome like
0: he was on fire yeah it was a great show and i'm halfway through it and i'm halfway through the one he's done with john Vallis as well um you know that's a great episode so i might make sure anyone listening go and check out the toxic happy hour and uh, the john Vallis episode because you're both pulling different different thoughts and different experiences and different parts of his history out of him, and I'm gonna to have to invite him on because he seems like a really interesting guy, and lots more to say.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent, dude. He has a lot of stories uh, about his family tree and everything. Like it's it, he's a really interesting guy. Can't wait to meet him in uh, Canada at uh, Tahini's and do a Bitcoin meetup, and we can all have uh, some awesome
0: shavamas from uh, Tahini. Absolutely. Massive shout out for Tahini, who have also been on, right?
1: Yes, he he was on. uh, He was one of the early guests, just like uh, around the time that you were on for the first time. Uh, But we should not have a month go by without you coming uh, on. Um, You're an institution, you're the record holder. What can I say?
0: All right, let's move on from that. Um, But thank you. I appreciate the, the kind words. Thank you very much. Um, online marketing, Google ads, let's go back to those days growing up in in Denmark. I'm assuming that's where you are. I know your Danish. is that where you were were growing up or did you move around as a kid?
1: Um, I, I was in Denmark, uh, in the same house for 16 years. I was, you know, um, as a baby, I, you know, you know, entered the world living in that house. I lived in the same house until I was almost 17. Then I moved to Australia and did my uh, two years of high school there, year 11 and 12, because my dad, he got stationed there. Um, Great experience. Phenomenal. Had the best time in Melbourne. It was like the group. I went to an international uh, high school or they had this international line. So I had friends from, you know, Russia, Sweden, Germany, uh, India, Croatia, and we like, so we were this clique of boys six seven boys and we had you know the best time it was awesome did, did you already speak english at that point um with, with as bad as half an accent as i do now yeah uh, you know it's, <laughs> uh, being 16 when you move to an english-speaking country it's too late to get rid of the accent you know i we should have gone like when i was eight or something so uh yeah i, I spoke english but um uh some of the several of the topics in school or subjects were difficult because I mean one thing is it's another language so you have to like think extra right you translate to Danish then you go back to English then you go to the topic Um, but some of the topics like math just had different language things were called different things and it was quite advanced already um, because in in so that was, that was uh, math was first tricky for me, but I love math. I love these rational things, logic things. I love math. I absolutely love economics. And we should definitely just touch upon that. Um, but um, yeah, and, and also because one of the reasons math was hard, apart from the language, was that I grew up in, you know, very socialist thinking school system in Denmark, where in class, we're about 16, 20 people in, in class, and they had this concept of, no, we cannot divide the kids after their level and you know, uh, teach the, the, the kids that find math easier, teach them a little bit more advanced stuff. And the ones that need extra help in some areas, let's focus on that and help them. No, because that would be like, there's a difference you know, on the kids. We can't acknowledge that. So let's keep everyone at the same plate or the same level, which is then got to be closer to, you know, helping, you know, the ones that are struggling a little bit more. Um, I was totally against that. I, I, I found like, including grade like all the way up to grade nine, where you go in the same school in Denmark, it was just uh, too easy. I enjoyed it. I loved it, but it was too easy. So when I entered high school, all of a sudden I was blown away by difficult math, but it, you know, i had i I got a tutor and uh you know helped me with the language thing and everything and I ended up doing uh doing okay on math i I love it
0: you know how did you have the language ability though at that stage because living here in France, I just see nothing but a complete disservice to the the kids that are growing up here. The level of <laughs> English is so bad you know my I've got teenage daughters I could probably count two of their friends that can speak English and that's only because they've got a bilingual parent or a parent that um, is half English sort of thing, you know? Otherwise, the school system, the education system is just completely jailing these kids to France because they're never gonna be able to adapt and grow unless they take the bull by the horns and go and live in an English speaking country when they leave the system. So what what was different in Denmark? How how did you guys get up to speed?
1: So this is actually a great question, um, I think, because uh, so what I noticed already from being a child and what people in Denmark in general are aware of is that the big countries in Europe all of them wished that their language was the world language, including England, but you happen to win. (laughs) You could say that, uh, you know, the battle for language uh, domination, but but all of you don't really um, uh, allow other languages to sneak in. You can then say, you know, absolutely excuse, uh, you know, you guys in England, because while it is, you know, the main language so understandably maybe but if you go to uh, other big countries that wish to have the world language like you go to Germany, you go to uh, France, you go to Italy, um, maybe also Spain then um, so the difference is in Denmark we are a small country we have you know built our nation on, on trading with just six million inhabitants or citizens of Denmark We have to be internationally minded. We can't, you know, we're too small to be self-contained. We need to do business with the world. And the the world doesn't do business in Danish. So we need to learn international languages. So we start, I believe it is in fourth grade, we start learning English in school. And then probably by sixth grade, you get your third language. So you have, you know, Danish, then English and fourth. And then, you know, it may have changed, but, and also one very important thing, and this is actually key, I think, Um, so we watch, you know, a lot of media like TV and movies are created in, in us, they speak English. So when we see that in Denmark, we see it in English, it has Danish subtitles, but we see it in English. But if you go to Germany, France or Italy, they, they stop it. So it's the local language. And this is key. Like that, that's where the chain falls off in my opinion, because, um, it wasn't hard to get into learning English when you listen to it from a, as a kid and you read the subtitles. But in these language, in these countries, unfortunately, um, you know they miss out because they have some local language actors
0: uh, speak over the movie. It, it's so bad as well when you watch one of these things. Like it, it's it's incredibly bad. It, you could put on any movie and say like Matt Damon's the. You could be watching Born Identity and they've just got some. God knows who, just dubbing over in French. And you're like, guys. Terrible. Like, Terrible. This is the worst. Yeah. Um, and it, what, what's a shame is because the animated movies, you don't need the, the words to sync up with the lips, right? So these kids, they grow up and all they want to watch is like the Pixar movies and whatever else. And they don't even know it's been dubbed. They actually believe the films were made in France. And when you tell them they get to like fifteen or twenty years old, you're like, "Guys, cars is an American movie." Like, no, 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 you, you have no idea. Like, guys, Shrek is an American movie. Like, Pixar is an American company. Like, no, what, what are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. And it blows my mind. Like, the yeah. level of it's, it's just a shame <clears throat>
1: because they think they're doing a service to the kids so they can just easier or easier uh, consume this content, but you have no idea how fast the kids would learn English if you just let the original language be there. It, it, I never felt that as an issue when I was a kid, like, oh, I don't understand because they speak English. You just, I mean, you read the subtitles and you pick up the language in like no
0: time. But why is this like it, Anders? Why do they not want the adoption of English in, in yeah. these countries? You know, so first if we go all, back to first principles, let, let's, yeah. let's do that. Yeah let's go yeah. from first principles
1: well um yeah absolutely let's do that but first of all before i start giving them a hard time let me just say that french and italian um beautiful languages um uh, so and it sounds i'm sorry but it sounds better than english especially italian i absolutely adore italian language 100%. anyway so i well i i mean first principles i i I guess it's somehow a an ego thing that you don't want to admit. Look, these big nations have been battling in Europe for supremacy throughout centuries, right? Um, uh, France, Italy, Germany—you know—they've been to war twice, um, well, on a, on a national scale. Um, so I, I guess it's like an ego thing. You don't want to, you know, uh, succede to. England, right? They don't want to, um, because England also has been involved in these wars, right? So they're, they're sticking to their, their guns and I guess want their language to, you know, they don't want to give up any culture to England, I guess. Um,
0: yeah, it's, it's such a, it's such a shame that there's, it breeds, it breeds nationalism, obviously, and we're seeing a lot of that around the world anyway um yeah with things going on but man how earth did we end up down that rabbit hole of Uh, that was
1: (laughs) you asked me if i grew up when you moved to australia right yeah yeah, yeah. then it was australia uh so then i came back um i mean i don't know if you still want me to go down that um yeah yeah sure let's build
0: it up it's always great to to figure out people's journeys i mean obviously i know you ended up in silicon valley somehow
1: well, uh, well. So, I've actually never been to San Francisco, but yeah, I'm in California. Right. <laughs> so, so. Uh, um, uh, but they call it Silicon Beach here uh, because a lot of uh, the tech companies have moved substantial um, operations down here, like Google, Facebook. Um, I think it was Snap. Snapchat is a local uh, thing, but yeah. Anyway, so I moved back to. Denmark I did my bachelor in economics absolutely loved it I did my masters uh, in something you would translate to strategy organization and leadership I guess you would call it Um, and I then later I moved to Dubai lived there for many years like uh, a decade and then I moved to um, to to L.A four years ago but um uh, it's always been my dream to um you know financial independence i have a problem with authorities i, I have a problem with people saying do as i say because i have power it, it has to come from uh, i don't know if this is first principles or not but it has to come from if you have a good argument i'll do whatever you know if you can explain to me why that is the right thing to do, I'm your soldier, I'm loyal, I'll do whatever it takes. But when when people tell me, do this, Anders, because I have authority over you, I've always had a huge problem with that. So for me, financial independence has always been, um, that is the key to freedom. That is the key to buying, not having to be... Um, told what to do by someone you disagree with and that enjoys having power over you. And this started even when I was a kid, probably even before I started in school. uh, I think in Denmark, I started school when I was six years old. I actually tried to get to school one year earlier. I told my parents, I'm bored in kindergarten. Um, I wanna go start in school and learn something. And again, here comes the the socialist um, uh, values. And, and we went to school and they rejected me said, no, it's, you know, it's better that he waits till, you know, same year as everyone else. I'm like, I want to learn. Let's, let's get going. Um, you know, and, um, yeah, that, that was denied, unfortunately. So I had to spend another year in kindergarten only playing, like I enjoy playing, but, um, you know, I wanted to learn anyway. So, And then my entire life, I thought that the key to financial independence was creating a company and scale it. And and that was the only way you could make a lot of money. But uh, so I bought my first stock when I was 12 and probably more luck than anything. I made like 20% in one month. And uh, back then, stocks were a certificate, a physical certificate paper like thick paper certificate and um the dividend was uh, there were like coupons on this stock and you cut out the dividend for like uh you know this is um um you know 1985 dividend and you handed it into the bank and they'd put it on you know on your bank account whatever was the amount pretty awesome when you think about it um so i started investing when I was 12. I also what was the stock? A... Do, you, do you
0: remember that the was... stock?
1: Yeah, 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 totally, of course. Uh, private Banken. So private Banken was a Danish bank that since then probably merged two or three times into like bigger, uh, you know, uh, consolidation in the Danish banking industry. And today, I, I think first it it, it it merged into Handelsbanken and then then it became Danske Bank, which is... Uh, probably number two bank in Denmark and is the bank that a few years ago was busted for laundering, mm. I think uh, 300 billion dollars <laughs> or something, a you know. A <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> shit ton of money laundry. Yet they have a problem with Bitcoin that has a smaller market cap than uh, many of these um, mm-hmm. um, money laundry cases that are like, they're convicted. And funny enough, bankers never go to jail. Um, it's all nicely rigged, uh, so um, you can do $800 billion worth of money laundering, which HSBC did um, for some South American cartel, and, and, and then you always reach a settlement, because these mm-hmm. poor bankers, uh, you know, obviously should not go to jail. No, you got to pay the main power holder, which is government, pay them off, and the scheme is running. It's fine you know, uh, you can't send your friends to jail. Um, Anyway, so, so throughout my life, I tried to start companies, and, you know, create that success that I wanted to create that financial independence. And um, I, because my, um, the way my personality is where I'm, I'm a perfectionist, I'm very detail oriented. And that means you don't make decisions fast, and you have to think about them way too much. So I never got – you know, I made a salary from it, but I never was able to scale it to that level that was necessary for financial independence. And then when I turned 40 approximately, I realized that, Anders, your entire life, you've been making money on investments to fund companies that never really did really, really well. So maybe you should focus on the first part because there's actually money to be made there. I mean, you look at Warren Buffett. He never – started and ran companies that produced the goods and serve or good or service. He started collecting, uh, I think, um, uh, bottles or something, uh, Coke cans that he handed in, Made some money from, you know, the recycling. I think I make, you know, maybe I'm wrong here, but, uh, golf and then balls. that money he started, sorry.
0: Golf balls. He would, uh, he died oh, for golf, golf balls. balls in, in, in lakes and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Alright, so his autobiography. I, yeah.
1: I have some Swedish friends that were doing the same thing uh, when they were kids. It's good money in that, actually, I mean, for a kid. Anyways, so, and he just invested. And, yeah. and look, he was the world's richest guy for, for a while. Um, so I realized, yeah, that, that's what I got to focus on instead. Um, and uh, that is much more my personality. And then since then, things have been going better because I now focus on what you know, I finally found out, realized what it is that I'm good
0: at. So, mate, there's a 10-year stretch in Dubai. And if I'm getting my timing right, maybe from around 05, 06? 05, uh, yeah. Right, OK. Crazy times in Dubai, man. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching what was going on there very closely. I had a few job offers to, to move there and, and to go and um, broker foreign an exchange from, from Dubai and ultimately turned them down. Uh, I was based in Singapore. But my God, that like what was going on in Dubai just seemed like the wild west of what was going. I mean, I saw similar growth in Singapore. I was in Singapore from 99 and just saw the city explode in terms of condominiums and sky rises and um, office towers, a huge bloody casino that gets showcased every time. Well, the Formula One night race come. uh, You know, just this, massive explosion of growth and the same thing i know was going on in dubai so what how did that like what how did that feel then and how do you feel about it looking back what was going on
1: um so the reason i actually wanted to get uh moved to dubai was so And at this stage, I I still didn't realize that I should focus on investing. However, I started buying... All right, so back in... I'm sorry, I'm going to go down a little bit of a side road here to get to the answer, because I think it may be interesting. Uh, I mean, personally, I find it interesting. So when Google... Well, October 97, I put everything I had into Yahoo shares. October 97, this is... um, this is before the internet bubble, what even was a bubble. So I put everything I had into uh, Yahoo stock. Uh, and then late 98, I started uh, reading about this new search engine called Google. And I knew that my investment in Yahoo was based on them being uh you know, having economies of scale in terms of building a lot of new services and being that the place that everyone started when they went on the internet back then they were, they were, bef- they were ahead of lycos they were ahead of Excite. I don't know if you recall those. So they, 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 they had the number one position, but then I started reading articles about uh, Google uh, being a very successful new search engine that did things different with the algorithm and that all made sense. And so when they had been online for four and a half months, January 1999, still before the bubble really formed, Google had 10 employees. They had so little business and traffic that at the bottom of the website, they had an email address where you could actually write to Google and Google would write back. I mean, imagine they offered that today with, I don't know, 5 billion users. And so I wrote an email and said, this is... I really like what you guys are doing here. I would like to invest in, uh, I knew they were not public. So I would like to invest in the company that holds the rights to Google or in any way that I can become an investor in Google. How, you know, how can we do this? And the guy wrote me back and said, so uh, we just had a, a round of funding. So there's no opportunities right now, but I'll get back to you and let you know uh, if 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 we if you if there's another opportunity to invest in us, and this is obviously early early days, right? The guy who it back, was
0: was that Sergey or Larry?
1: Was it, it was, was Sergey? It, it no. <laughs> Brin. I have an email You're from Sergey Brin that said, uh, "Sorry, Anders, we just got money, so you can't enter in the early, 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 early round investing in Google." Don't.
0: Oh my God! Yeah, frame that one. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah
1: yeah dude if if i had you know my life would have been a different trajectory if i had been an early <laughs> investor in google i'm not complaining but that would have been fun anyway so i had to wait till 2005 to kind of like start moving towards your actual question um i had to uh wait till 2005 then google went public early early 2005 i think during winter like a month after i started trading call options because I believe still in the future of Google. So I went pretty heavy on, on call options on Google, knowing that in Denmark, capital gains at the time was 60%, 6-0. Any profit what? you make in less than three years. So if you, if you hold something for less than three years, you have to give more than half to everyone else in the country, despite it was your money at risk. And mm-hmm. you make the decision, you, you could risk everything, but you have to hand a majority to everyone else. All right. I wasn't too fond of that. So um, a, a former, uh, like uh, a guy I knew from the internet advertising business in Denmark, he approached me. He was in Dubai at the time. He said, Anders, I've had this job for nine months. Uh, I don't want it anymore. I want to go home for so-and-so reasons without, you know, us getting into those reasons necessarily that has nothing to do with my story and um and i said and i never thought i'd i'd go to dubai like um i love denmark uh great country but then i you know he said that so there there's no personal income tax here there's no company tax there's no capital gains tax there's no real estate tax and then i thought all right that means if i move to dubai i get to pay zero percent on my gains instead of 60 percent. and we all know compound interest, how powerful that is. So if I could roll over successful call options on Google for a few years, um, then that would be uh, much better than being in Denmark, where I have to continue to give most away. So I saw that as a great reason to actually apply for the job in Dubai. So I got that job. And then I could, you know, continue rolling my uh, call options. And typical for me, so I made. Real, it ended up being really good money uh, for someone at my age on these call options. Then I invested all of it in a uh, Danish startup, where then I, I became a partner. I, was, I took care of marketing. But again, what I was good at was the investing. It wasn't being part of running a company. That company went bankrupt. And um, you know, many factors, but nevertheless... I don't make money on, on that, right? On, on, um, on being part of companies. So, um, yeah. And, and then back to your question, what was it like? So, Dubai was uh, a lot of fun in, in 2005 when I moved there. I was impressed by the city when I got there. Like, it was so much buildings, new buildings, all these amazing things. But Dubai in 2005 was nothing like Dubai when I left it. I mean, there was still an explosion ahead. Um, So uh, in, um, like during this period, there's so much building going on that you always see cranes everywhere. There's always cranes everywhere in Dubai, uh, at least at the time. And if there was a part of town like Dubai Marina, you hadn't like driven on that exactly road for a little while, but it doesn't feel like it's a long time since you've been there. And then you go on that same road again, and all of a sudden, whoa! There's a new hotel here, like a like a building from ground all the way up, you know. That just because you haven't been in the neighborhood for a little while, it was uh, insane—the hyper growth um, of, of 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 real estate buildings and everything in in uh, in Dubai. Very exciting, and honestly, you know, the scene um, after after work when we would go out, it was. It was a lot of fun. It was a great time. That was a, that was a really great time as well.
0: Yeah, Did I answer exactly, your question? Yeah, well, it sounds exactly like what was going on in Singapore. And I could watch a, a floor a day be built on a skyscraper. It was just amazing. From, from the window of my desk. I'm like, how are they doing this? Um, and when you... The way they are doing it is with very cheap labor from... Um, Bangladesh or India, um, Pakistan, and uh, some parts of Africa as well, which turned out to be d- despicable practices that were going on right under your nose, yeah. um, and her- horrific stories. And it's just weird to have been part of witnessing that, like the- the- this uh, this ridiculous amount of riches and the government just throwing so much money at something at all costs you know human lives were lost on these building sites yeah regularly that was yep. part of the um it was part of the uh, re- request for for quote or whatever they call it the rfp or rfq like you know it, construction companies would there would be like a paragraph i found that there'd be a paragraph that um just found out from a podcast, not when I was there, but from podcast since I left, someone talking about Dubai. Um, the, in, in There'll be a paragraph in the request for for quote about the, the amount of expected deaths on site. You're like, what? Jesus. Yeah. What in the hell? And so I look back now, and it's just like, wow, that was weird. Like, you know, how, how was that going on? And no one was asking questions. How was that allowed to happen? And then you realize that because there's so much money at stake for certain individuals at the top of these structures, which we've now come to realize as Bitcoiners, anything goes. Uh, it is just really, really crazy. So, yeah. and, and,
1: and there's no doubt that there were a lot of um, uh, you know abuse of human rights. Uh, but... Uh, I want to say one thing because people in the, in, you know, in the West, now you've seen Singapore, so you've probably also seen some of the good things. It wasn't everyone treated uh, poorly. Now, obviously not acceptable that anyone are treated poorly, but I just want to say that one thing I, I started thinking when I was in Dubai was that, but so I also look at a lot of uh, you know, foreign, fairly cheap labor in Dubai that, that were making even though for you and I maybe it's like you know a very small salary but they were making 10 times as much as they could back home where actually many times they wouldn't even have a job and then I look at Denmark being all you know social social justice and uh, no you shouldn't do that and you shouldn't even you know and I'm like okay so Denmark what are you doing for Filipinos what are you doing for Indians you're it's very easy to just sit there and, and have um, a high moral in these uh, Western countries. Again, any abuse of human rights, totally against it. But, but I also saw a lot of people that were not, like they had like a, a job and, um, and they weren't uh, being abused and they were able to feed an entire family, uh, you know, plus grandparents or whatever back home. And I don't see Denmark giving that opportunity um To these countries to grow their wealth, you know to um, actually um, f- give them opportunities to feed families so um, I think there's that aspect as well that you know I think all countries, even you know england and and Denmark, we went through periods where it was not nice to work because we had to, you know, labor used to be six days a week, you know, long, long hours, you know, way before we came down to um, uh, the, the eight hour a day work week, 40 days or 40 hours or 37 and a half hours, whatever. And I, I think that for these countries to eventually get to our spot, like first world country with, with good wealth and well paying jobs. You probably need to go through a transition of this working a lot of hours, the hourly pay is not as high. and then you start accumulating savings and be able to buy some better things in in your home country, which then allows for a little bit more interesting jobs because now more things can be juiced, be produced locally that you know a better better quality and, and higher on the sort of food chain of you know basic needs so so i think there's something to be said for that as as well and i i wish we in other countries would allow more people to come in and do some of um that work it's uh, i mean if i know you think okay so if we in denmark you say but we we don't want to give them less than the minimum wage in denmark okay so we so then they're not allowed because that is too much to pay for whatever um value that um, they may necessarily be able to produce, but we don't let them take that journey and work from the bottom and work their way up. It, you know, teach a man to uh, or give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day and teach him how to fish and he'll he'll eat the rest of his life. Um, I don't know if I'm, I'm getting my point through properly. I'm absolutely against obviously any human rights abuse. But I just think it's easy for, you know, people in Denmark to say, yeah, you're just paying them too little. Yeah, but you don't even give them an
0: opportunity in Denmark. So. Yeah. And, and that brings us to, to economics, which is uh, something that uh, you said you studied and something obviously that sets you alight. And here you are in the Bitcoin space. So we can, we can talk about what you were taught. I'm sure you were taught Keynesian Theat Economics, as we all are, <laughs> right?
1: That was my first clash with my teacher. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. so um, yeah, thanks for asking that. You're absolutely right. Uh, economics is, um, it, 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 it's, it, it's what my brain enjoys. What can I say? It's like, it, that, that goes with, um, I just like it. I, I'm, I have a passion for it. Uh, so when, when I went to uh, the school in Australia, I went there with my parents and we discussed topics and in Denmark you haven't been taught economics yet at this stage and the other kids in Australia already for a few years have had economics and I'm like I want to have economics and um, I want to do this higher level because I just love it and uh, and then they're like yeah but you know Anders this is another language it's not your native language and these other kids have had economics for years you know you, you you know, that's, don't, don't push your luck here. You know, that's probably too much of an ask anyways, but if you have a passion for something, you're willing to do all the, you know, it's not a chore to do the homework and then, and read up and understand it because you just love it. And, and, and I did with economics. So you didn't choose which level until the last year, year 12. So I had year 11 first. So in year 11, I, I, you know, uh, the, the, the terms, the semester started, we're going through it. I'm loving everything. I, I feel, I understand everything. Um, and it just comes, uh, natural to me. And then we come to the point about inflation and, and, sh- and, and she explains So, um, then, you know, they expand the money supply, uh, you know, to stimulate the economy, uh, to keep people in jobs. And, uh, and so let's say we expand the money supply by 10%, and but the prices only go up by 2%. So the inflation is 2%. And without ever having studied money or anything, I just said, no, you, you expanded the money supply with 10%. The money supply inflated 10%. That's the inflation. Like, uh, why do you want to go out and like, try and do a good job of measuring prices. You just diluted the currency with 10%. That's inflation. That's money pl- money supply inflation. That, so that was a clash. Uh, she didn't agree with me. Like I felt, okay, I got everything. I was on the same page on everything, but that uh, we disagreed on. And then this idea of we need to stimulate uh, the economy with um, – Um with spending money when 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 times are dire and people, you know, we go through a cycle and people lose jobs, we should take on debt to stimulate the economy. And I just felt intuitively that is wrong. If you know, look at your household. If if you're not doing well, what you what you gotta do is you gotta get your house in order. You gotta you gotta pay off your debts, you gotta save up money. You got to bring your finances in a good state. You don't start taking on debt. that cannot end well. Um, And also because when, if you choose to stimulate the economy with, you know, a hundred billion dollars, yes, sure, you can go out and hire people to work on the infrastructure and other things, but they all buy imported goods. So of that hundred billion you throw out, very soon, a lot of that just disappears um, to imports and goes overseas to the countries producing, you know, cars in Germany, stuff from US, et cetera. So I felt that's a really bad idea. Um, and, and again, um, that was, uh, you know, I was considered having the wrong opinion because Kenesian way of thinking is, um, is that the government should take care of, of the economy. And when you think about it, you know, that's how communism worked. I know it's not exactly communism when we have Keynesian economics, but the problem I, f- I feel that has come from Keynesian economics is that it, it's the principle of the government should take care of you. If you guys are starting to lose your job, government steps in. Um, and that has spread to... Uh, then I think everything else in our culture in the Western world where a lot of people today don't question the government it's no the government knows better it's let's have the nanny state let's not be sovereign individuals that think critical and um you know and then it just becomes um you know this always looking to the government for for decisions which I I believe is you know part of what has allowed deep state today to be so uh, probably be in charge of countries like U.S. Um, and, it, and, and this whole argument that we need government intervention to stimulate to keep people in jobs and have productivity growth. Well, let's go back to, um, you know, when did U.S. actually have the most productivity growth ever? They did it not while technology is developing so fast right now, which should allow for even faster productivity growth. No, it happened from 1873 to 1892, which is a period of 20 years. U.S. productivity grew from a factor, uh, index 30 to index 79. So it almost tripled in just 20 years because U.S. was on sound money back then, or as close as we could get to sound money. Gold was money. Um, and that just allows for better allocation of capital, unlike now when the interest rate is determined by a group of academics that feel they know or think they know better than the entire, you know, uh, collective of companies and individuals Instead of what the interest rate should be. The interest rate is the price of money. That, that is the interest rate. And money makes up half of any uh, economy because it's on one side of every transaction back in USSR the way they killed you know wealth there was by having committees deciding price of goods and services that meant there was nothing in the supermarket but in the west they have managed to convince us that it is capitalism when a communist committee of 5 to 7 academics or i don't know how many people sit on the federal reserve board decide the price of the by far most important commodity in the nation which is money it's a joke and it's a scam. And that's why with Bitcoin, you know, that's one of the reasons. Um, yeah. Once again, I went off on a tangent. There was many things I wanted to get across. That was an epic rant. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Love it. And yeah, there are many, many different uh, ways we could take this, but it, oh. it is a perfect segue. Go ahead. Yeah, no, let me just add,
1: because I want to throw this one in the face of the people that didn't believe in me when I came and said, oh no, they've had economics for years and it's another language. So I ended up um, getting maximum uh, grade seven out of seven is international baccalaureate uh, on uh, economics, which so that was the maximum grade, which means that um, when you achieve that in a higher level subject, uh, you know, you're rewarded with a diploma from the principal and everything because it just, you know, it doesn't get better. So, you know, in your face for the people that don't believe in you, you can do it.
0: Absolutely. And do, do you still have that certificate now?
1: Um, I, 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 I think I have it somewhere, uh, you know, but uh,
0: <laughs> not really sure now, where. <laughs> Now being a Bitcoiner, you, you, it'd be weird for you to look at that certificate and think about everything that, you know, was forced down your neck and, yeah. and being a Bitcoiner and having, well, how, yeah, let, let, let's do, let's do the Bitcoin rabbit hole story. How yeah, did sure. you then, how did you then find Bitcoin? So
1: um, I'm kind of prideful. I'm sure that, you know, when people know I have a passion for investing and money and wanting to be uh, rich and everything that people would obviously presume that, okay, he got into Bitcoin to, um, to make uh, profits, but I'm kind of glad to be able to say that, no, that the way I entered Bitcoin was my concern for um, actually uh, humanity. Um, because what I kept thinking about, you know, being an economist, thinking in those terms, is like, okay, we have these Western worlds where the GDP grows 2 3% or whatever every year. We should be getting richer. And I heard the stories about back in the 60s, how the middle class was prospering. And you had families in US where the dad was working, The mom was taking care of the family. Um, You know, the dad was taking care of the family in one way, and the wife was taking care of the family in another way. And it was growing, and there was no financial stress, and they had a car, they had a house, they had the American dream. But it's obvious to everyone, and and that's what got me, you know, thinking about this, that middle class has been wiped out. I see people today here in Los Angeles with like amazing university degrees and and still financially um, things can be a big challenge for them. So I just felt something is wrong. Something is rotten. Someone is doing something that is wiping out the middle-class and increasing bottom of society where it's not fun to be. That was my approach. So I was listening to a lot of uh, videos about, because uh, I felt the, the, the problem is the central bank. I just don't know how, but I, you know, I came across all those uh, videos about you know, how uh, Rothschild is, is behind and, and bankers are behind, uh, private bankers are behind uh, the Federal Reserve and other central banks and um, uh, how they're doing this to make you know, profit for themselves. And I felt that that somehow is the problem. I just don't know how I didn't, I didn't have this like um, full understanding of how they were destroying, you know, majority of humanity and sending them towards the bottom of society. And then I came across one video. It was like a five, six minute video, again, educating me on, you know, why central banks is bad and it's bad money because, you know, they just diluted. And then he mentioned gold and Bitcoin are sound money. And I rejected Bitcoin in 2011 because when I read the article, it said, and then there's miners and miners find new coins on the internet or whatever. And to me, that just gave me a visualization of, you know, strategic games like World of Warcraft, where, you, you know, you have a farmer or you have a miner and they, they, they mine iron, you know, whatever. Like, I just thought immediately, oh, that's just some computer game. So I wish Satoshi had called it something else than miners because then I might have jumped in 2011. Instead, I rejected the idea because I thought, that's, oh, that's just a computer game. Uh, but then in 16, I, I saw that video and, uh, and I, I, then, then it clicked. Uh, that's Bitcoin, sound money. That's what we need. Um, I guess I was because I had been critical of the central bank and, and you know, fiat currency, without knowing that there was a better answer really than, than gold at the time, I was prepared. So once I heard Bitcoin, I was like, yes, that's the answer. And, um, and then I just dove down the, 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 um, the rapid hole. At the time, it was only, I think, two weeks after uh, Andreas Antonopoulos uh, published that uh, YouTube video where he has that light blue background. I'm sure you've seen it, um, where he explains very, very well uh, why Bitcoin is a better money and why it will take over uh, today. I don't no longer subscribe to an Andreas because he endorses uh, projects that I uh, consider scammy. But but the video was amazing. And at the time I was by myself in Dubai. I was closing shop there to get ready to go to US. So I had I did work. I worked you know my full time job and then the entire evening. I had for myself. So I consume probably six, seven, eight hours of Bitcoin content every single day. uh, And in the weekends, probably full day for the next several months, because finally I had found the key, you know, in my opinion to this problem that had concerned me about how the middle class was wiped out, how people's ability to prosper and take care of their families had been wiped out. So that was how I, I entered, you know, that was my entry to the Bitcoin rabbit hole. I went down it immediately. I never looked back. Uh, I've gone through the same conversations like you and every other Bitcoiner being, uh, you know, rejected by, by family when you try to explain to them. And, um, and, and also, um, yeah, you know, being ridiculed and everything. But here we are. Bitcoin is around 50,000 and it seems
0: that we were right. Yeah, it seems as though we were. And we both got big smiles on our face because we have taken all the licks along the way, right? The the punches, the... It's been death by, you know, a billion paper cuts to get to uh, a a trillion dollar market. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's been... But, oh man, what a ride. I wouldn't change it for the world. And this is... This is just the start, and for anybody that's listening that is new here and, and first coming into this space, because we know a lot of noobs get pulled in when when number starts going up, when the price starts really pumping. There's going to be so many more people coming in on the retail side, um, and that leaves me a question to Etoro. You you must have a good feel for that running, you know the the account that you explained to Lauren at the beginning of the show. you so tell me if I'm wrong, but you sign up, you put in uh, the positions that you want to put in, people can mirror you, they can click follow this guy because eToro runs a leaderboard or something that shows how much percentage people are up. So people just follow you in. Yeah. and then it's down to them to obviously start doing their own research and hopefully learning about Bitcoin. But you're going to get a good front row seat to the switch of retail, surely, because people are going to like start switching out of equities pretty quickly. Into Bitcoin, what have you started seeing and what, you know, how's it going?
1: Yeah, uh, no, you're right Um, because I, but let me just say uh, that when I started, which was, and by the way, uh, I know you're going to drop this after you've dropped uh, Poppy's podcast. And I just want to say that if you're listening to this without having listened to Poppy's podcast, go back and listen to that uh, as well. (laughs) Because uh, I'm sure that's um, a really, really good and interesting podcast. So when I signed up for my uh, eToro account, in um, uh, that was late, October 19. So now it's been like one and a half years. When I signed up, I, I, and at this stage, I've been, you know, I'm talking to Poppy, you know, on a weekly basis. We talk Bitcoin. We're both excited, you know what, well, you know, you know, it seems we're finally getting out of the bear market, you know, what's the future going to hold? And I told puppy when I signed up, you know, I had no followers. I had no beers, but I told him because I, 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 got to the stage, you know, after I passed 40, whatever that I started to have uh, the self-recognition and understanding what are my weaknesses and, and where are my strengths? Cause we all have them and everybody just got to find out what are they good at? What are they passionate? And then, then, um, seek that and, and nurture that and spend your time with that. Because once you start spending your time on, on where your passion is, you, you can do wonderful things. So I told him, when I just when I signed up, I said, Papi, I'm going to clean table on eToro because I know I'm not good at running my own business and scaling and people management and all that. I learned that. That is my weakness. I can do it at a level where it's okay, but it's not good enough. But I told him that I'm very, very confident. I'm going to clean table. I'm, I'm going to become the number one. And I know it sounds like full of self confidence, which I guess it was, and maybe it sound, you know, I hope it doesn't sound arrogant, but uh, I told him before it happened, what I told him, watch it happen. And I said, Papi, you should copy me because I'm going to kill it. Um, of course he didn't, <laughs> but anyway, he <laughs> bought Bitcoin. So he did the same thing. He did the same thing yeah. himself, right? Cause that's what it's about. Um, and, um, and yeah, so having a 100% allocation to Bitcoin and luckily, uh, you know, we haven't had that ICO uh, alt season that people were dreaming about that happened in 17 that it would happen again. You know, we le- a lot of people learned that lesson. So no, I didn't expect that to happen. But still very happy to see that last year, 2020, uh, 100% allocation to Bitcoin has wiped out altcoin Um Buffet portfolios, day trading, whatever. Like right now, it, you're right. Is a leaderboard? It shows 12 months performance. Uh, my 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 performance is 453% over 12 months. Number two it has 277%. So you know it's it's significantly above. And I can just thank Satoshi for creating um, something that is not only so wonderful for humanity, but also such an easy investment. And now to your, um, your question uh, that, um, um, about the transition in, in retail. So I share all my opinions and analysis uh, to people on eToro. Um, there's, a, look, if you on Bitcoin Twitter think you find uh, noobs and help them along, those are very advanced already compared to uh people opening uh, the, you know a lot of the people opening an account on Etoro. a lot of them are advanced but there's a lot of uh, people where it actually is adding value to hold their hand and said no bitcoin only let me explain you why adder is crap and has no long-term future the same with ethereum blah 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 but just holding their hand and saying something that to you and I, extremely logic and rational and cause of course, Bitcoin will win, but, um, and, and also explain to them, no day trade, just buy it. Then because I share all my opinions with them, I also said, I have explained several times that I don't hold any equities. I, I don't own real estate either currently, because when Bitcoin takes over as money of the world, then you will no longer have to artificially, zero percent interest rate from the federal reserve there's going to be a free market interest rate and as preston pish has uh covered and he spoke to block fi ceo and founder that um i believe that the free market interest rate on um uh, 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 on bitcoin is about 20 percent. when when you deposit you know you dep- if you look at it from a um a, a um fiat currency standpoint you know but without making it too complicated, there's, there's about a 20% free market interest rate uh, on, on Bitcoin, in the Bitcoin market. And that means that if that's the free market, yeah, sure, it may change, of course, but that's mm-hmm. a, a lot higher than 0% or quarter percent So when Bitcoin takes over and we no longer have fiat currency dictating um, 0% interest rate, which is very, very artificial, and the free market interest rate, even if it only goes to 8 all 12 or 10% or whatever, it means that all asset prices will come crashing down. You know this, you work with, um, with the financial markets. So stocks will crash, uh, real estate will crash. It's all gonna crash like it's 1929, uh, in my opinion, but the, the, the reason it does is a little bit different maybe, even though back then also there was over-leveraging. But it's simply because a, a natural interest rate of, say, 8% means that you're not going to be willing to pay a price earning of 200 or 1,000 in Amazon and Tesla anymore because uh, you can now get a good interest rate just on money. The only reason, I mean, a big part of the reason people are buying uh, stocks in real estate is to get to store their value somewhere where it can grow because it's being diluted all the time if you just hold it in cash. So I explained that, um, you know, that's why I don't dare holding assets because they will collapse, in my opinion. I mean, other assets. I hold Bitcoin only. So I have seen a lot of people um, tell me in their comments um, that, that they have now sold some stocks, added more to, to Bitcoin, you know, the copy of me, which goes 100% into Bitcoin um and uh so i see yeah i see a lot of people there um that may not have come to the conclusion because that's something i think that as a bitcoiner you get to further in your journey that you start realizing that not only is bitcoin also apart from helping humanity it's also a great investment but it's also you you, like progress as a bitcoin you realize it's the only safe investment it's the conservative investment to be you know to have a lot of bitcoin um, so I, I, help them to take that step, uh, sooner and they start liquidating other assets and put it into, um, this copy was your hundred percent, uh, Bitcoin allocation. And, um, so they're starting to make that move, which I, I think you were talking about in, you know, or asking about in your question. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and you seeing, um, a, a pickup on the people following you recently? Um,
1: yes. Um, so in January, I think I had around. 25,000 followers or something um that this is followers this is just people reading my comments mm-hmm. not you know no money involved yep. that is now 127,000 uh, followers uh that you know on eTours platform around the world um can you know follow anyone and and read their you know you know the posts i do etc and you know, I've been telling myself, like, I've been writing, you know, content on Bitcoin Twitter since I think April 17. I'm now at like uh, 4,500 followers, you know, you're trying to put out all your, you know, deep thoughts and, you know, fun stuff as well. And, you know, four years of like hard work on Bitcoin Twitter has gotten me 4,500 followers. But on on E-Tour. now I get two three thousand new followers a day and I'm I'm thinking where are they coming what? from, where Holy are they coming shit, from? Shit, man! But I guess that you know normal investing um, and eTor has this social investing element uh, just has a bigger audience than you know our little world on Bitcoin Twitter. I mean, yeah, Daniel. You and I knowing each other, you know, uh, we know the names of, of, you know, the bigger people on, on Bitcoin Twitter and some of them, they know us as well. And that just shows it's still so early. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but around 1st of December, well, October last year, I, I had the, I, I, I then reached the number one in performance, um, which is, cause I had been there for 12 months. So now I had full 12 months part of displaying my performance and once i, I got the best uh, p- percentage return uh, that uh helped me uh, also get the most copiers um and around first of december i remember i had a friend visiting here, uh, me here from san diego i had about a million dollars um, under management now i have almost 11 million dollars under management and uh, the amount of copiers, so people that have taken a part of their savings and allocated it to me has has crossed 3,400. So I have almost as many people on eToro that actually has, you know, made a financial decision and, and copied me with the part of their savings as I have followers on Bitcoin Twitter. Bitcoin Twitter is early days. Bitcoin is early days. Um, so, yeah. That's it's mad. A, so, so it's so picking when- up it's it's absolutely picking up and it's it's gonna go look if i can go from one million under management to 10 times as much just uh three and a half months or three months later and the amount of followers are picking up steam like this it's gonna go bonkers for all of us in this uh, bitcoin bull run oh and that's one thing that i know they enjoy they they often tell me when I say, This is a dip, it's business as usual. I told you before the first 30% dip came, which was in January, it was like 31, 32. I told you it was coming. I told you that when we're in the dip, we buy the dip, we don't panic sell. Um, of course, some people do panic sell because they get nervous, but I've done everything I could to help these people, for, of whom a lot of them. Are not only new to cryptocurrency, which is a term I hate because I hate cryptocurrencies. There's only Bitcoin, but they're new to Bitcoin and they, they're even new to investing in general. Like they've never tried it. So, um, so some of them do panic sells, but they get better and better. And a lot of them are telling me, "Thank you for you know telling me just to keep a strong hand." You know, got that from Adam Meister. Shout out to uh, the mm-hmm. Bitcoin Meister, Adam Meister, helping a lot of people keep a strong hand. But keep a strong hand. Don't panic sell. Buy the dip. If you have dry powder. Now it's the time to step in with more. If you want to gain purchasing power, you know, become richer in your life, you don't sell cheap, you buy cheap. Um, so uh, I feel that I'm helping and that's what I'm getting back as comments from people that I'm helping people that would otherwise have done the new uh, decision of panicking. Um, and, and they're telling me, you know, Thanks for writing this. I show it to my wife and, um, you know, she, she comes down or uh, also there's, there's a wife uh, copying me. And um, she said she finally came out of the closet and told her husband that um, she was, she was buying Bitcoin and she was a little bit nervous about that. And uh, he said that, uh, wow, you bought Bitcoin. That's so sexy. So, Hey, uh, buy Bitcoin. It's good for your marriage.
0: So just, just so myself and the listeners can get this completely right. When, when you say they're copying you, yeah. uh, it's not, uh, but you say you're not day trading. So it's not like they copy every trade you put on. They're copying you. I'm in, guys. I'm holding. I ain't selling. And, but then you're up just day, updating the feed with commentary. And yeah. you're like, nobody panic. Nobody run out of the business. I'm staying strong. I'm just holding. I'm not selling here to try and buy back later. You, like, none of that. It's like I've held for a year, and I'm still number one, almost double number two.
1: Just I'm, by holding. Well, assets under management are more than uh, more than double uh, number two. Right. Um, but and percentage yes. gains. Y-
0: Sorry. And percentage gains, you're. you're oh, double. oh, percentage gains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're
1: right. You're right. But of course, the money flux. So the way it works is. It doesn't matter the size of my portfolio in terms of how much uh, mm-hmm. money is in it, uh, but if it's 100% allocated to Bitcoin, let's say you come along as a person and invest uh, $1,000, then whatever I do, that your $1,000 will do that real time. So when you copy me with open trades, which means you take the positions that I have, you automatically buy $1,000 $1, worth of Bitcoin if I mm. later sell of the Bitcoin and go into dirty fiat currency dollar, then they also real-time sell 5%. Now, the whole strategy I laid out on Etor is I, and, and, you know, I laid that out before COVID, before, you know, um, the fast killing, the expediting of the killing of the fiat currency um, with all the money printing they're doing or dilution. Um, The whole strategy is I am trading the four-year cycle. Because, uh, well, since I first got into investing, I saw the 87 uh, crash. Um, I didn't hold stocks at that time, but I saw it happening. And to me, it was just, I was fascinating about there's cycles. If somehow you can predict this to some extent and actually trade it, not only will you make money as, as the stock market over time goes up, but you can make a lot more. And uh, it's, of course, it's not easy, but it just find it interesting to me, it's an academic challenge. So I, I looked into, you know, B- Bitcoins uh, having history, the cycle history, um, the, you know, the FOMO's uh, peaks, the, 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 the bear markets, the capitulation bottom, uh, I just, it, I just find it interesting. So I spent a lot of time just looking into those numbers, and the patents. So the whole strategy in eToro was, I'm going to trade the four year cycle. Now, as we've spoken a lot about on, on toxic happy hour. And also with you is, um, that because the fiat currency is being killed so fast because of the COVID stimulus packages, then there may not be another bear market. This may just be the, you know, the, the, the cycle that actually does not capitulate at any point, but, um, I still think that we will get some hard slaps in the face, like forty percent down, fifty percent down. And um, when it happens, don't no, no one should panic. So I know you wouldn't do that, but uh, I, I kind of, you know, if it happens, uh, it means I win steak uh, dinner bets with um, with Poplord and with Greggy. Um, mm-hmm. So. Um, but I I think that's realistic. I think it may or may not be tradable. It's too early to say, Uh, but I tell you that when I started this strategy, I was so confident that I said, I told people, I'm going to sell everything as close to the top as I can dollar cost average out. And then I will dollar cost average. in when we see you know, when I feel we near the bear market bottom, but because the, the, you could say um, you know, the risk in quotation marks is a very positive risk that we just continue to, you know, hyper and collapse of the dollar before the next halving in April, likely 2024. Then that amount of, of, of the position that I'm willing to take on a potential trade on right now, I it, I, it won't happen with more than maybe five, 10 maximum 20% because I need to protect the people that trusted me with their savings. So, if we go to 20 million in this cycle or at least have the direction of that, I need them to have at least 80 or 90% left. And if they do, it's not the worst situation to be in for them. I mean, that's, a, that's an amazing return. Uh, but I still think I'll be able to pull up to some extent. So I'll probably trade 5 to 10% of that in order to try and get more Bitcoin for them and, and, and myself on eToro. Um, because I feel I have you no, know, I feel I have a. Um, uh, I've spent more time looking at that. Uh, I think than uh, a lot of other people. I think I have a chance to pull that off and and create a little bit more. And I, I you know, I would just be, uh, you know, proud if I can pull it off.
0: Yeah, well, it's uh, it's amazing so far the what, what you've done and. there's something that you said right at the beginning of, of that you know you you got past 40 years of age and you realize your strength do you think that's a golden number because i feel the same that's why it resonated with me when you said it so i'm doing this podcast so i figured out sitting at a desk all day looking at screens and trying to close deals that was just i was an execution monkey i was a parrot i was parroting numbers to other people um does not you know? I was good at it, that's why it lasted 17 or 18 years. And but you, you get this level of confidence, I don't know, it, it, it's like Bitcoin as well. You, you start giving less fucks, right? Zero yeah. fucks given. Yes. Do you feel
1: that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. Um, so I mean, there's two things in that. Um, let's first take the last one, yes. Uh, you know, once you see the things you see when you've been down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and you start understanding how uh, society is actually structured and how it's a rigged game against humanity by central bank owners, which is not federally owned, it's private bankers that own it. And there's no reserve because there is no reserve. There's only a money printer. So federal reserve, that's two words that are contradiction to the reality right there. So... Um, Oh, see, now I went down a tangent uh, again too far because there's many things I want to say. Um, but yeah, give uh, I got it. Um, you end up giving zero fox or less fox because um, you know we now have enough uh, to know that when this plays out, we'll be financially independent. Um, so I no longer have to consider you know, play some nicety game for someone maybe so it can get a job Oh, don't ruin your career opportunities in the future, Anders, because I, I'm pretty sure that that's not going to happen again. And I, I, I really ho- hope not, but I don't think so. I think, you know, we've got this. I really think we've got this with Bitcoin. And, you know, when Bitcoin goes to $21 million, which is my, um, uh, my target that I've been public about for about four years. And uh, by the way, I'm, I'm, tomorrow I'm planning to do a presentation specifically on that because puppy can't go and toxic to So I'm, I have a presentation that is ready that I want to share. Um, then you realize that even 0.1 Bitcoin is enough for financial independence because that will be worth $2 million of today's buying power. And if you live outside, you know, one of the most expensive cities in the world, as long as you don't live there. Two million dollars in a world where prices go down instead of go up, because that's what we'll have when we're in sound money. That um, uh, that will mean that two million dollars is a lot of money and solid financial independence for you and your family, your kids, and everything. Um, so things are looking good, I would say, and I'm sure this is going to happen. Um, you know, not financial advice, but I'm. I know this is happening. Like, that's how I feel. Um, by the way, that's something that uh, my copiers on, on um are happy about that they say, you know, we're happy that you're so confident because it gives them confidence not mm-hmm. to get a, a, a weak hand or shaky hand. And by the way, I just want to say, so that's the same confident I had in Luke Desk Jr., who I credit for making me feel calm end of June. Oh, sorry, end of July, 2017, when uh, Bcash, aka Btrash, did their attack on Bitcoin with the bigger blocks and that hard fork that they created. That was the only time I was thinking for the future of Bitcoin. Uh, Now, I didn't, um, you know, really invest back then, unfortunately, but... um, uh for, you know, I was passionate about Bitcoin so I saw that as, as a potential risk and it, it made me nervous you know on behalf of humanity. But Luke Das Jr, when you listen to him and he's a, for, for, for the audience, he's a Bitcoin core developer, so he writes code and peer reviews code that goes into the Bitcoin Core protocol. And these are the smartest people in the world. are the, uh, they unbelievable intelligence there. When you hear him speak for 5, 10, 15, 20 seconds, you know, the guy is brilliant, super intelligent. And a lot of people, even, you know, smart people were, had a little bit of doubt of how that hot fork would play out. But Luke Das Jr. was the most calm and balanced person explaining, no, there's no problem. This heart, The hot heart fork is going to play out like this. Bcash is going to go off on their own. they the hot right now in the market, there was a mar- market for the two uh, forks already, you know, financially. So they were priced. Bitcoin is priced higher than, than, than Bitcoin cash, B cash, be trash. So therefore the, the mining power will center on there because the mining uh, reward is worth more there. So there's nothing to worry about. And also like he explained, like technically like this, you know, with the programming. So, and so he calmed me down a lot um, and now i think i forgot the, the tangent became too long and I, I need i need you to get me back on uh, on track here
0: oh man now you've lost me hang ah, on yeah,
1: okay so <laughs> that's my ball we, uh, yeah,
0: yeah what, let's what, see what, what were we talking what was about? the question uh, a little, 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 uh oh, we can, we can probably find it we'll, we'll come back to it yeah we'll get we'll um, get to it um, just, just one, one more question about uh, the eToro uh, mirroring. Um, naturally, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing you're not taking custody of of no. the Bitcoin. Do you consult people as well there on, on how to if they want to take yes. custody and then take that next step?
1: Yes. Um, so it's it's against my financial incentive, but uh, my uh, My attitude towards this is, um, you know, I'm going to do all right uh, for myself because I believe in Bitcoin. Um, And um, so I think it's most important that I just do whatever is right for humanity, whatever is right for people. And I think, you know, it's karma. It's going to, you know, that's going to end up, you know, being good for me as well, just being a good person. So um, if they choose to uncopy me and take custody of the Bitcoin in, in, in cold storage, I, I do uh, give them my input as to what would be uh, what what might be the better solution, you know, how to go about that. But I don't push the envelope on that. And I think, um, as hardcore Bitcoiners, I know it's we shame people who uh, don't take self custody. We shame people that don't tell everyone to take self custody. But um, there's m- way more Bitcoin ever lost from people messing up their self-custody than there has been lost in hacks. Um, and all the people on Bitcoin Twitter are pretty, compared to the average person in, you know, in, in, in um, you know, living around the world, they are advanced. And there's a lot of them that really, uh, you know, finding it as a challenge. I recommend everyone to do the self-education so they learn how to take custody and do cold storage. Um, And by the way, I would say don't ever have access uh, to any significant amount of Bitcoin in your home because as a Bitcoiner, you'll be a target. Uh, You know, there can be home invasion there can be uh, and all of that. So, um, you know. Uh, Don't make yourself a target. So, but, but a lot of these people, and this happened, this started even, even before Etoro. I I I make a evaluation. If a person comes to me and say, what should I do? There's even, I remember there was um, one girl working at WeWork where I was um, operating my, my company from uh, before COVID Um, that said, you know, she bought a Bitcoin very early on uh, because her boyfriend told her to. And she had it on Coinbase. But she was not technical so- savvy as a person. And I, my judgment was it's more safe for her to have it on an exchange than, um, than taking self-custody. I just saw that as too risky. At the same time, I do tell everyone, educate yourself and then do self-custody. But I don't tell people do self-custody and then you educate yourself by losing it so educate yourself on money educate yourself on bitcoin educate yourself on self-custody but don't take the step until you can and i just want to say so half the people on eToro are so new to even investing that you know even an online bank can be a challenge i know if i push the envelope on that I will wreck people. And I'm sorry, I know that I can be, you know, shame for that because I'm not saying jump into self custody. I have to, I feel it's the only responsible thing to do is you got to start with self-education. Look, I've, you know, I work with computers my, well, ever since I started, you know, my career. And self-custody, I managed to get around it and, and and educate myself and I feel comfortable with it. Again, I don't I don't want to have access to it from home because that's part of the security journey. But look, I have that computer experience and I didn't find it super duper easy. So I don't want to send someone who don't have any clue to start doing self-custody and they'll lose it. I honestly feel that they'll be safe on an exchange for them. Um, at the same time, um, I do both custody, I mean self custody, and I have uh, Bitcoin on different exchanges because any one point can always be a failure. So if I mess up one, I still have a little bit on that exchange. Or on that exchange, uh, or, you know, maybe government will take it. They did it with gold in 1933 um, in U.S. Uh, but uh, but I need to split my risk a little bit. Self custody absolutely preferred but educate yourself before you, you do that. And unfortunately, I don't think it's for everyone.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> I get your point. If people are coming, if this is like literally their first dip in the toe of uh, the investment world, then, you know, just one step at a time. But hopefully, as we all know, when you start interacting with Bitcoin and you've got that impetus, that, that drive, to start learning about it and educating yourself. We all fall down the rabbit hole and get pulled in different directions. So yeah, fingers crossed that many more people sign up and follow you and start sharing those gains and sharing that journey and spreading more love and uh, word about about Bitcoin. But we're gonna have to wrap up pretty soon because I've just seen the time. And as usual, it's just flown past when I speak to a Bitcoiner. But you probably know what's coming. If you had one orange pill left to give to someone, who would you give it to and why?
1: Oh, oh why am I not prepared for that? I listened to your podcast. I know this question. Darn it. Um, all right. It's no good giving it to any central bankers um, because they know what they're doing. They are evil and they're scamming the world and they're telling them lies so they can enrich themselves by looting people's savings and stealing it from them. So that's no good. They already know it. And they know what's coming. Christine that already, like... And all their bad, bad-mouthing uh, a Bitcoin. But um, I guess I may have to go... Look, it's no... It's no good giving it to the richest guy in the world because he already had it, Elon Musk. I believe he's still the richest guy he was recently. Um, and, and Tesla's price went up again yesterday. So it's no good giving it to him. But... Um, either it should be someone like the richest guy who does not, who's not orange pill yet, which I guess then would be Jeff Bezos. I think he and Elon Musk are battling it. And Elon Musk already is, is orange pill in terms of who's richest either him, or it should be someone who is very, very social influential, uh, so that they could uh, further orange pill. The most people, Now, I'm not very – I don't watch a lot of TV, so I wouldn't even know who that would be, Um, you know, like someone like a star or whatever. So I I guess – you know what? I guess I'll go with Jeff Bezos uh, because he is the richest guy that is not orange-pilled yet, also because with Amazon, where he has such a big impact on so many people that – he's selling goods and services to around the world. If he's orange pill and start moving Amazon assets uh, to Bitcoin, uh, start allocating his own assets towards Bitcoin and, um, um, and, um, and implement Bitcoin as payment on, on Amazon lightning network, uh, you know, instant uh, uh, transactions uh, that has zero, zero fee, Lightning Network, so that just debunks also uh, the thought about uh, slow transactions and expansion transactions. That problem is already solved. So I guess, Je- guess Jeff Bezos, in terms of moving his company's funds to Bitcoin, his own funds, and he has a lot, and also, uh, you know, making Amazon, which has such a huge reach, uh, to start pushing the, the Bitcoin uh, envelope to these hundreds of millions of people
0: around the world that are his customers.
1: Imagine if you could
0: search Bitcoin on Amazon and buy some Bitcoin. That, that, that would be a start, right? <laughs> yeah, that would yeah, be amazing. Yeah. Reason. yeah. I, I want
1: to say just one thing, um, Daniel, um, uh, regarding, you know, the, the self-custody thing, on, because I think it's important to explain. So, I expose all my followers on eToro to the content we do on Toxic Happy Hour. Uh, and, and I, you know, I've interviewed Matt O'Dell there back in, I think, November, so I, I try to lead them in the direction of education and then self-custody, um, but they, they got to take that journey in the, the pace they can. Anyway, so, mm-hmm. but I, I want to ask you a question as well, Daniel, if I can. Go for it. All right. You are doing a phenomenal podcast here where you dive deep um, with uh, a lot of uh, uh, people in the Bitcoin community. And you're doing a great job. And I just want to say before, at least so I can add that, um, you are probably one of the most intelligent and kind-hearted persons in in the Bitcoin community. But do people listening to your podcast already know that? So I know I'm, as we say in Denmark, speak for deaf ears because they already know. But um, what is your driving uh, motivation for spending all this time generating free content for other Bitcoiners or potential Bitcoiners?
0: Yeah, good question. And it is the same thing that drove me to write uh, my book. And that was uh, after a lot of procrastination as well. Um, and the, the driving force, I've got to give a shout out to my friend, uh, Scott, who, who pushed me across the line when it came to writing that because we'd taken the, the, you know, I'd quit my job and my wife and I had sold everything and we, you know, uh, traveled around the world for two and a half years with the four kids world schooling and falling down that rabbit hole. And the whole journey I'd kept a blog of what we were doing, where we were going, how we were doing it, because everyone had a lot of questions, a lot of questions. And I realized the, the reason these people are asking questions is because they wanna know how to do it themselves. And that kept me on top of the blog because I knew the content was helping people. And then media picked up on it and we, were featured in some magazines and some big uh, newspapers and started being invited onto podcasts and then started getting the DMs of, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe what you guys have done. How do you do it? And yeah. a friend of mine finally said to me, right, you got to write the book, man. Write the book. You might you, you might change someone's life. Yeah. And it was that thought that really kind of nestled with me and gave me a few sleepless nights. you like, you know what? what okay so what's stopping you write the book the fear of the hard work basically and when i realized that it's like well step the fuck up man you've got information here that's going to be important to someone you've got to you've got to go with this and of course got some emails and some dms and uh and whatever else but a big big turning point and this is before i would started the podcast we we went down to the south of Spain and met a bunch of world schooling families in, uh, in Andalusia. And one of the families on the beach, we've been chatting to them for around 15, 25 minutes. And all of a sudden, the guy turned around to me and he said, wait, what you just said there, that, that's, no. Did you write Choose Life? And I'm like, yes, I did. And did, okay, this is getting weird. He's like, no way. And he pulled his wife over and she's like, what? You wrote Choose Life? That was, that, that was the book. That's what made us sell everything. That's what made us get out of our job. That's what made us take our kids out of school. And that was amazing. But then 15 minutes later, their 12-year-old girl came over and they said, oh, by the way, this is Daniel Prince that wrote the book. And she just turned around and said, the book? That was you?
1: Awesome. And when she looked
0: at me and she said, I can't thank you enough because I was so trapped at school. I didn't know who I was, and I hated it. And because my mom and dad read your book, that changed my life. And I was done. I was like, "Oh man, well that just made all of that hard work." You know, it took a year to write the damn thing. Um, But imagine procrastinating over something like that. That that was just too important to someone's life. You never know who's going to read it. You don't know who you're inspiring. So when I was I found myself procrastinating around starting the Bitcoin podcast that kept playing back in my mind. And the procrastination was cut in half, you know, instead of being like a year, like a month or two. And it's, you, you, you just got to do it. I, I feel as though I have information that I need to share with people that is going to unlock their lives and their kids' lives and their kids' kids' lives. This is what we understand in the, the Bitcoin community. And don't get me wrong, I came from number go up, right? I came from financial markets. I saw Bitcoin as a way to make money. And it was a long time, five or six years of of watching and not even really paying too much close attention to it. Excuse me. It's only in the real last 18 to 20 months or so that the real deep, Effect has started taking hold, and then it was a much easier to de- decision to to do it. And like like you, I was past forty. I know my strengths are uh, connecting and and um, uh, networking with people and finding ways to add value to people that uh, you know. I feel are also making um, great sacrifices, and a good way to add value to people. showcase their work is to invite them onto a platform that you've you've built and and help them spread their message because the people you know this the people i get to interview are far smarter than me and they've got unbelievable amounts of knowledge to to share and it's just been the the most rewarding year doing this podcast and meeting the people that i've got to meet and and start building the network and I, i can't wait to to meet everybody in real life. And and I hope to get across to Miami big shield for the Bitcoin conference 2021 conference. And yeah, fingers crossed, I can just be there, man. So yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, well, Daniel, I'm
1: gonna, um, I'm gonna visit you sooner or later, unless you come to that conference. Um, You've become a good friend. And um, so we, we have Bitcoiners, we, yeah, we have to meet up because we see something that you know, or believe in something that um, a lot of our friends and family don't. Uh, so we have that connection of, hey, we're on a mission for the world here. Um, I, I, I think I remember where we lost the train of thought before, um, and I know that you said we had to finish, but uh, you know, it's hard to stop the thing. Um, go for it. All right, first of all, uh, actually, for years I've been thinking about writing a book, so maybe I need your help after this. Your coaching and how to push me over the the edge. Um, but no, I'm serious. Like there's, uh, but, um, ah, oh, now I, I, I lost, You've lost it, it again. One, <laughs> yeah. Once again. I mean, I just got back on one of them and, uh, no, no. So yeah, 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 yeah. So the train of thought that we lost earlier was this, that you asked me about the, Do you feel that self-recognition comes about when you're 40 in your life, you know, mm-hmm. around so um, I think that's, yeah, um, interesting to hear that it was the same for you. It's like about that, um, about that time in your life, you know, uh, maybe plus minus a few years or whatever. But uh, what I noticed as a kid was I saw a lot of adults, you know, the ones that became very successful that well, some obviously they get it right straight out the gate, you know, um, from when they're young. But I saw a lot of people, like in, including my 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 dad, that uh, and other dads, you know, of my friends, that you know they're working hard throughout, you know, you know their their thirties, late twenties, whatever, and then their financial game started to kick in from the time time that that they were in their forties, early forties. That's where you finally sort of, I guess, like um, have reached. The depth uh, of knowledge in one area that you can really start to add value and 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 create that uh, retirement for yourself. It, it's it's always it seems in the 40s that for the majority of people that's where they take financial steps. Um, and so yeah, but yeah, you absolutely got something right. You said you spend uh, was 17 years in the financial markets. You don't last more than two three years unless you're really smart. So uh, you nailed it, uh, Daniel. Uh, hey, and thanks for having Blame. me. Uh, it's, it's it's um I'm super happy to get a, 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 a to sit here and, and chat with you. Um we um and, and big shout out to Puppy as well, uh that I do the Toxic with. Good friend of mine. We started talking about three years ago, what two years ago. I can't remember how long it is, anyways. And we just decided to take our talks and put and, and put them online and share them with people. Um and he's uh he's become one of my really good friends um now and we haven't met yet we're gonna meet in miami and hopefully my other friend here
0: daniel prince will also be in miami that would be awesome fingers crossed mate so where can people come and find you that, more importantly on etoro or um twitter if they uh, if they want to come and interact
1: oh yeah so uh on etoro i have the uh, same trader name as i have my handle on twitter so if you go on eToro and search for at Anders, A-N-D-E-R-S underscore, that, that's my you know trader name. Even mm-hmm. though I'm mainly a hodler, it's still Great. called a trader name, right? Because uh, that's what everyone else does. I just happen to prove that hodling out, out, outperforms day trading. Uh, where you also incur fees all the time. Um, and, and on Twitter, it's it's the same. It is um, a, at Anders underscore, A-N-D-E-R-S underscore. I go by the name of Danish Moo Toxic Happy Hour. Uh, that's what I <laughs> currently have as my
0: well. <laughs> Love it. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Been great hanging out. And uh, yeah, I look forward to meeting you soon yeah um, and
1: uh, we gotta get you back on toxic heavier soon we always have fun with you man so uh, <laughs> and thanks to Lauren for participating um, I can't wait wait to her
0: starting to do her own
1: podcast
0: yeah she, don't worry it, it, it sounds like tonight it sounds like there's something whirring up in, uh, in that dome with her so it's uh, it's my job just to help that along and foster it as best as I can and we'll see where that takes us so alright Anders take care man Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. See you. Bye, Danny. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for sticking around. And thank you, Danish and Anders, so much again for coming on. And thanks for what you and Guy do with the Toxic Happy Hour. If you're listening and you've not watched the Toxic Happy Hour, I almost feel jealous of you guys. You've so much content to catch up on. They've had such great guests on. Um, it, it's, it's best to watch live, if you can, obviously, if you cannot, just go back and, and watch some of the, the old episodes. They're great fun. Especially the one that I talked about with Guy in his episode, where he fell off his chair, basically, drunk, while speaking with Robert Breedlove. But, we, you know, we, we don't need to dwell on that too much guy do we i mean let's 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 be fair to guy there but there there is so much content and they are such a breath there breath of fresh air to the space and I, i can't talk about their project highly enough because they got off their fucking asses and they stepped up and started creating content so you cannot question that go watch it and if you're sitting there, I know you're sitting there. If you've been here for a while, you probably got an idea in your mind of how you can give back to the Bitcoin community. So just go do it, whatever it is. Get over your fears. Go do it. Go act. It will unlock so many amazing experiences. I speak from experience myself because I stepped I had to look myself hard in the mirror and step up and start this podcast and what a segue into announcing the sponsors again <clears throat> I know you guys are going to end up hating me for doing this but hey look it's the end of the show you can tune out if you want but if you want to stick around and listen to the the, the, the companies that, that approached me to help me grow into what this podcast has become I'd appreciate it if you stuck around so here we go And you know if you're in the UK And if you're looking to start stacking some sats And I think I'm going to try and meme this now Because I, I, mince, I mince pronounced it I mispronounced it at the beginning Cornfloor.co.uk Ob, I'm coming at you man Cornfloor This is possibly the best meme for your company And I know you guys did a brilliant advertising job around London before So here we go Cornfloyd <laughs> coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten. If you're in the UK, go start stacking some sats. Nothing more to be said. Do it. <laughs> what are you waiting for? Coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten. You're going to save commission. Go start stacking. If you're in the US, I can't believe you guys listen to this weirdo who sits on the other side of the pond Not who's British and doesn't even live in Britain but brings you Bitcoin podcasts which you guys seem to consume, I think there's like 50% of the listener base, it's amazing you guys are killing it, you're driving this thing our cousins across the pond keep stacking and stack hard make sure you do it with swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten because if you use that you're going to get a free 10 bucks to kick you off and they have the best team ever, go hang with them on Clubhouse, Cafe Bitcoin Or go hang with any of them on Twitter. Just go to swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten, hit about us, hit our team, and look at the team they have assembled. It'll blow your mind. If you're in Europe, across Europe, if you are holding Swiss francs or any kind of euro, baggage, fiat, cost average with relay, R E L A I dot C H forward slash bitten, save on commissions and that goes straight into your wallet, mobile wallet that you set up with Relay and you own those keys so you don't have the mess of trying to then pull them off. So it's cool. Go check them out. Tell them I sent you. Now, if you have been stacking for a while and you have been listening to the show, you know I want you guys to fiat cost average very slowly into Bitcoin. It's going to a million. Don't worry, just buy every week every day if you can, every month, it doesn't matter. Take it slow, this is a long-term thing. But take control of that shit. Get it off of these companies' exchanges or apps. And again, I will absolutely make this clear, they actually want you to do that. They want you to start stacking, but as soon as you've started stacking, they then want you to take the next step self-sovereignty and take control of these coins and you can do that with bitbox02 hardware wallet bitcoin only so no noise at all and you can find that at shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten that will get you a five percent discount on this piece of hardware that's the wallet to go to is bitcoin only i thank all of you for listening I really do. And if you've made it this far, you're probably not going to hear me shill anything else other than my own book, Choose Life. Go check it out. I hope it changes your life. It's changed many people's lives in the past. I have talked about it on other podcasts. So just go and check out my name on other podcasts and hear me talk about what changed our lives. So go check out one-bitten.com forward. uh, No, no forward slash. It's just that. And I look forward to hanging out with you guys on the next show. Big respect to anyone that makes it to the end of that kind of totally mashed together ad reel. If you're liking, subscribing, rating, reviewing, I can't thank you enough. You know where to find me on Twitter. Let's go. Take care, guys. Speak to you on the next show.